This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast. I hear anything, but I guess I'm not supposed to get. Who are easily offended? Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! How about in the middle of the month of February here already? On the Ward Scott Files in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the Melanol Studio, protected by crime prevention in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. You gotta love it. I mean, that's where we are, and that's what we're doing. And um, we'll uh, have a lot of fun today and hopefully help you understand some things that are going on in our neighborhood, if you will. Mr. Rogers. That always makes me think of Mr. Rogers, uh, the neighborhood. So, um, uh, you know, you've got to, you know, just be able to stay up with things to kind of know where we are and know where to get the information. Hopefully, we're bringing you the information that you trust and that you uh learn something from. You know, I want to give a little shout out to something that's going on tomorrow night. You know, we here in the Ward Scott Files support the arts quite a bit, particularly Dance Alive National Ballet. And tomorrow night, Saturday night, is a fantastic production. It's going to be a one night only production. And the title of this production is Horse of a Different Color. Uh, This is a Ballet that is going to celebrate diverse ancestries. And uh, this is a new contemporary show. Uh, The company is proud to present Horse of a Different Color. It will be at the Curtis M. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. That's there on the University of Florida campus in Gainesville. The tickets are between $27 and $49 with discounted rates for children, students, and seniors. I'm not sure what a senior is anymore. I I know I particularly fall into that category. Um, a little bit on this creation. It's a hometown creation. It's uh, all about ancestral diversity. Uh, it ranges from honoring those who arrived at Ellis Island uh, to the spiritual world of the Siberian people. Uh, the dance is contemporary in form, uh, but timeless in range says the executive artistic director, Kim Tuttle. And the dancers themselves love performing this program and feel very privileged to dance it. It is uh, all about, believe it or not, a diversity. Not only diversity of dance styles, but diversity of choreographers and dancers and cultures and the uh, life in America that all those who came sought because it represented a better life from them. Uh, uh, it's a spirit of, of uh, people and examines this kind of spiritual search for a better world that the uh, United States has represented in so many ways and so many times. Uh, some of the choreographers are our own Annie Collier, Jose Ramos. Uh, um, you'll see local people have choreographed, have done the choreography for these, uh, this program. Uh, it is an extraordinary uh, dancing um, 
display by the Dance Live National Ballet Company Dancers. And it has award-winning artists uh, from all over the world bringing their unique and special talents to this uh, achievement of diversity through art. Uh, this is the type of diversity that I think we really should be supporting. Uh, it really is uh, examining how all these cultures have come together in uh, this uh, land here to uh, work in harmony and try to become better themselves and enjoy and build and protect a better nation. So these tickets to see Horse of a Different Color are available at the Phillips Center box office. And uh, you can also go online uh, to the performingarts.ufl.edu events uh, slash horse of a different color. So I really recommend that you uh, take this in. This is something that uh, yours truly um, hopes that you um, um, enjoy. Uh, just trying to find today's show here real quickly. And that uh, you can... Um, um, uh, get the most out of as you as you uh, examine uh, the uh, the world of, of um, art, and particularly as it is represented in dance. Uh, I apologize for not having my chat line up because I'm always looking. I'm way behind in finding my own show. Believe it or not, on the uh, I don't get the notifications as you know for some reason. There we are, and maybe I can uh, help you uh, watch the chat line. It's good morning, Ken Matt. Canon, uh, uh, Plantation, Mars, Layer, Nega. Okay, I've got the chat line live here. So if you have anything, and we have a call-in line open today. It's that not that num not that number you see on the screen there. It is 352-707-9101 if anybody wants to uh, express him or herself uh, live with me. <clears throat> well, well, well. As many of you know who follow this show, Quite, quite honestly, we were the first to examine what eventually got us kicked off of YouTube for using the word, the F word. So now we say voter beep, even though we're, um, um, Rumble never says a word. And that's where we are. Go look for us on Rumble if you're not watching us live on Facebook. And of course, all the other platforms that we're on, which are too numerous to really count. Uh, but live here on Facebook and live on Rumble. Uh, we really, with Mark Glazer, we were the first ones to to um, start talking about it and start talking about voter beep in a very responsible way, backed up by documentation, backed up by research, uh, and we are. Uh, Shocked to find out what we found out. And what we basically found out at the beginning of this search was um, that Zuckerbuck, Bucks, Zuckerbucks from Zuckerberg, uh, um, the guy who runs Facebook, had kicked in all this money to all these particular uh, supervisors of elections to proliferate the use of the absentee ballot. Now, the absentee ballot, to be quite honest with you, is largely untraceable. It's very difficult to examine the absentee ballot in any real certifiable way. 
There are all sorts of ways to a little arrow seeing jumping around the screen. I apologize for that. Maybe you don't see it. Um, there are all kinds of ways to use the absentee ballot that result in people who you don't know the veracity of. So we know that that was bloated, if you will, or inflated, the use of it, all under the guise of COVID. COVID was the reason, supposedly, that we need to use the absentee ballot. Well, that absentee ballot became a source of unexamined participation. Let's put it that way. But on a local level, and remember, this took place during COVID. We had the supervisor of elections send a community outreach person, that's what they're called, named T.J. Pichet into the Alachua County Jail to register inmates to vote. The only problem was those inmates could not vote if they had not paid their restitution. And we have email proof that T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton knew that when T.J. Pichet went into the Alachua County Jail. So with the Zuckerbucks and with the jail, we were beginning to wonder what was going on here. And we went to the state attorney without much promise of anything being done. And so we went to the sheriff. And the sheriff immediately turned it over to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And the Florida Department of Law Enforcement took about eight months and examined it and came back and said, yeah, this is true. And this is a horrible job by the supervisor of elections, Kim Barton, but stop there. <clears throat> Didn't make any further recommendations except that it's a really sloppy mess. And so we went back to the state attorney and even the supervisor of elections. We have the letters posted, I believe, on Warsaw Bulletin Board beseeching the state attorney to do something about these lawbreakers. And it went on and it went on and it went on. Well, gradually, because of pressure from the Ward Scott files, because of pressure from such national publications as Breitbart and Politico and some of these other news outlets, it began to become apparent that there was a problem with voting integrity, shall we call it. And nobody really had looked at it, and nobody knew the degree to which it existed, except that the liberals and the mainstream media kept saying for at first, oh, it doesn't exist, and then begrudgingly began to say, well, not to make a statistical difference, all you have to do is think back to the governor's race uh, that DeSantis barely won. And you can see that it would make a statistical difference if it had occurred then. So it began to get, as we say in the business, legs of its own. It began to get 
some people curious about it. And it really got finally all the way to the governor's office. And you know what's happened there. The governor has created this elections crimes committee and then went back to the legislature and said, supervisor relations, get out of the way because we're going to prosecute it because some of the supervisors are not prosecuting it. They say, oh, well, poor criminals. They just didn't understand. Same old liberal interpretation you get of criminals. So yesterday there appeared, or today, depending on how you read it, either read it online or you read it today, there appeared in the Gainesville Sunset some coverage of this at long last, which we've been covering on the Ward Scott Files from day one. From day one. And we created day one. And I want to thank all the sponsors and all the donors who stick with the Ward Scott Files for helping us pursue these type of stories in a way that you can trust. So now we're beginning to see election-related crimes are called. They're not called election beep. They're called election-related crimes. But it is stemming from a voter, I'm going to use the word, fraud investigation in Alachua County. All it, the, what it does not say, started by the Ward Scott Files and Mark Leisure. So now we are beginning to get court records that begin beginning to show the evidence of our investigation to be absolutely dead on. And now we have the sixth inmate locally sentenced for voter fraud. Um, and we're getting to get the conventional news outlets like the Sunset to cover it and write about it. And I can tell you that you're just seeing the beginning. You're just seeing the beginning. Now, we don't know if this is coincidence or if this is the way it was always going to happen. But once this article came out, Yesterday on GainesvilleSun.com or today in hard copy or on the web. Uh, there came last night, late, I'm told by the people who cover these things for me, a sex offender who had been charged by Kramer. Sex offenders never, ever get their voting rights back. Amendment 4 here, as I remember the number, says that in the state of Florida, if you're a criminal, you want to vote, pay back what you took. Well, I don't know of a case where that's happened. I suppose it could happen, but I don't know of a case where it's happened. So, Last night, um, there was a
arrest of a character. And I just want to give you the prison sentence history of this person who voted. I want you to think about this. And I want you to weigh this against what you hear so many people say. Oh, well, there's not that many. Wait till you see the number of sex offenders and you'll have to revise your comments if that's what you make. But I'm just going to give you the current prison sentence history of one Clifton Anderson. Uh, this is a incarceration veteran. Incarceration veteran. On top of being a sex offender. 1985. Robbery with a gun. Deadly weapon. 1989. Cocaine sale or purchase. Nineteen ninety, sexual battery. Nineteen ninety, grand theft. Less than twenty thousand. Nineteen ninety, constructive possession. Two thousand six, cocaine possession. Two thousand six, willful flee to elude. Leo, 2015, resisting an officer with violence. All of these crimes took place in Alachua County. He's been in the jug for quite a while. He is a hardened criminal. On top of being a sex offender, on top of being a voter. Who caught that? Who caught that? Did the state attorney catch it? Did the supervisor of election catch it? Or did our data investigator of the Ward Scott files Catch it. I'll let you determine the answer. It is just beginning. Trust me, my friends. It is just a beginning. Now, DeSantis has said at the Office of Election Crimes and Security in Florida is just that game. He called it his opening salvo. The Florida legislature, and I can tell you right now, that when we first discovered these voter irregularities, we went to our legislative representative. 
and sat down with our legislative representative and showed him what we had. Way back when. I've lost fingers and toes now. I can't remember, but it was way back when. And now it has risen to the level of support for what we started to the Office of Election Crimes and Security. We've been to Miami-Dade. We've been to Broward County. We've been to Palm Beach County. It's just starting, okay? It's just starting. It's amazing how much of it there is. Senate Bill 524 was signed by DeSantis establishing the Office of Election Crimes and Security. And of course, the opponents argued. What do you think their argument was? Let, 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 let me give you their argument and then you weigh it against the record I just read to you of the serial criminal. Opponents of DeSantis's measure to establish this Office of Elections Integrity. What do you think their argument is? Their argument is it will create, are you ready for this? Needless hurdles to voting. And that the increased standards for preserving voter registration may result in thousands of people being incorrectly removed from the system. Yes, it could well result in thousands of people having voted who were not removed from the system, who should have been. This line may come back to haunt, well, I'm sure it will, the quote-unquote opponents. You just heard the type of person with the type of criminal record that person has. Don't you think those guys know how to manipulate the truth? The opponents of DeSantis's committee say, some of these people being accused of voter fraud in Florida are claiming a third-party registration service altered their voter registration without their permission. Really? Really? That you think is what happened in the Alachua County Jail? And by the way, TJ went in there during COVID. There is so much of this voter fraud now that we now have an actual voter fraud lawyer for Palm Beach and Broward County. That's all he is going to do. He is an experienced defense attorney who is going to try to do what? Help come up with a defense for voting fraud charges. If you think there, you can come up with a defense 
for this character here, uh, let me hear it. If you think you can come up with a defense for the sex offenders like our friend here, Clifton Anderson, robbery with a gun, cocaine sale, sexual battery, grand theft, resisting an officer with violence. You think you can come up with a defense for that? And who's going to pay your bill? Because the liars don't do anything for nothing. You want to chat 352-707-9101. You may not see that number anywhere. Uh, I'm going to say it. Uh, it should be up on the chat line here. I don't see it. But I'll say it so you kind of catch it onto it if you want to call in and have a comment. So here are the types of, we've just been talking about the sex offenders mostly, but there have been multiple ballots cast in the same election. There's been bribing voters. There's been registering actual or fictitious people. The one we've been focusing on is the criminals whose voting rights have not been restored. There have been voting on behalf of deceased individuals. There's been posing as another voter. There are even election officials committing fraud. And there's obviously the big one is ballot harvesting. And I open my comments with you by saying that The absentee ballot financed by Zuckerberg. $700,000 of Zuckerbucks given to Kim Barton in this supervisor of elections office alone. So much money that I think she had $200,000 at the end that was unspent. And I don't know where that went. Now, of course, liberal media outlets like the New York Times are going to, and they already have, and they're doing it pretty steadily now, creating a narrative that attacks DeSantis. But they're doing it carefully. I'm reading through a Pamela Paul written column now in the New York Times where she's saying, don't underestimate DeSantis. Now that's coming from a liberal paper. And she writes that while DeSantis may resemble Trump in his politics, and I say there's no comparison, what DeSantis is focusing on, Trump, and we're going to get to Georgia in a minute, tried to get to, but not in any systematic, deliberate, legislative way. So, DeSantis, even the New York Times says, 
knows what he's doing. His approval rating in Florida, she writes, is consistently over 50%. And it includes high ratings among Latinos and former liberal strongholds like Miami-Dade and Palm Beach counties. And we just talked about the Election Integrity Committee swooping in there and making its presence felt so much that we're beginning to get defense attorneys in those counties specializing in nothing but election fraud defense. So the writer for the liberal paper says that Democrats need to take seriously his appeal. You can't write him off as a culture warrior. You can't write him off as a racist. You can't write him off as homophobic, transphobic, or xenophobic. Because this guy, and she writes this, graduated from Harvard Law School. He earned his way through the Ivy League schools. He's intelligent and industrious. She's writing this in the, Wall, in, the, in the New York Times. And he worked his way through Yale while playing baseball and graduated magna cum laude. Furthermore, she says that proof that his actions are nationally viewed as favorably there is this increase in people coming to the state of Florida under DeSantis's governorship and it's just not she says because of the balmy weather so keep your eye out on this because as DeSantis wages what I consider to be the proper battles, you're going to see a reaction from the quote-unquote other side. But even they are recognizing they're not taking on a Trump. They're taking on a guy who is smart, and understands the issues and may even be strengthened by Trump calling him sanctimonious, which I think is going to prove out to be a huge mistake for Trump. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files after we cover the weather for you. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott. 
And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. We're here really in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida expecting a little rain this afternoon. And I'm not all, um, um, that's not all bad. We washed some of the pollen away, for example, that's coming out because we're having an 80 degree afternoon today and we're having uh, probably almost a 70 degree night. And so that's making the grass grow and that means I don't have to haul hay. Uh, so I'm all for that. But nationally, you know, we've still got some things going on. We've got uh, colder air and snow that are, can happen in the Midwest and the Northeast. That all, all is still going on with the, various uh, wind patterns and weather patterns. So uh, even the northwestern U.S. is breaking, uh, bracing for another outbreak of Arctic air uh, next week in the snow. So we've got snow and drenching storms causing problems in the central U.S. And, you know, this has a lot to do with why people come to Florida. I mean, we're down here on the peninsula, and unless it kind of dips down here, um, we escape it and Sometimes it captures the panhandle, of course, but where we are here in the Manly Warthog Command Center, we generally are pretty well off. So uh, our weather here looks pretty promising. We I'll actually look forward to the rain this afternoon. Brought to us by Lewis Oil, our good team supporters. Um, talking about Governor DeSantis now and how he has heard our efforts at the state level that we started here in Alachua County with Mark Glazer and the Ward Scott Files. Uh, investigating what we were amazed and alarmed to find uh, was the extent to which there was this uh, unencumbered voter fraud or cheating, if you will. Let's just call it what it is, cheating. And then we began to look and listen and uh, watch a little bit more. And we saw Zuckerbucks. We saw the supervisor elections didn't know diddly about it. And the uh, state attorney didn't much care about it. And 
Uh, you know, fortunately, we went to the sheriff, and the sheriff right away cared about it, and gave it to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, um, and um, it became a big investigation. I want to applaud the Lachlan County Sheriff for that because um, we got the can kicked down the road uh, by the state attorney, particularly the uh, chief investigator there, Derry Lloyd. So Derry Lloyd, I think, actually took it, if I understand right, to the sheriff uh, and sort of said to the sheriff, okay, we want to mess with it. Uh, you mess with it. And the sheriff says, I'm not messing with this. I'm a Lachlan County Sheriff. I'm going to give it to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And when that happened, why, we began to uh, get involved with the state of Florida. And I'm sure DeSantis kept his eye on that. We had very strong representation of the Florida legislature here in the form of Keith Perry and, and Chuck Clemens, and they knew about it. We were able to go to them and, and impress upon them that this was a serious situation. So now you're seeing this pushback against DeSantis for all kinds of reasons. I just want to cover a couple more things he's done. Uh, he has proposed legislation Monday uh, designed to end ESG woke banking. I guess you know how much of a problem woke banking is. Uh, there have been woke people who have wanted the uh, uh, state of Florida's retirement system to divest itself of businesses that are not environmentally, quote unquote, sensitive. Uh, can you imagine what a disaster that would be? The Florida retirement system is solvent. It's the best, one of the best, maybe the best, retirement systems in the United States. And so many people are, you know, banking, if you will, literally banking on the payout of the Florida retirement system as they are in the retirement years. All the education people, all, you know, it just goes on and on. And for somebody to come in there with a woke banking, uh, uh, elite-driven phenomenon, as DeSantis calls it, to impose a policies on financial solvency, um, he's not going to let that happen. Um, ESG, this is what it stands for in case you hear it, so you'll know. Environmental, social, and governance standards. Uh, DeSantis is on to this, uh, just like he's on to another number of other things. He's, he's on to uh, uh, Disney. He, he, he's on to the, um, all this business about, uh, um, you know, race and education. ESG is, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Standards. And he knows that this is an acronym for a me mechanism to inject political ideology into investment decisions, corporate governance, and really just the everyday, consequently the everyday economy. You know, why do you see all these ads for electric cars? Because of the subsidies from the government. And so what the Democrats have done, the climatology, climate change fanatics, is they have bought the vote of the capitalist endeavors in the country and corrupted those capitalist investments. You know, I, I can't impress upon you how significant this is, how truly significant this is. It is unnoticeable for your average person who simply takes for granted so many things 
bases assumptions on so many unfounded investigations and assumes they'll never change. And this is one of the most vulnerable places in, let's just focus on the state of Florida. If these ESG people, many of them don't even live here. I don't have the data on that or I'd quote it. Corrupting the return of the financial investments that the state has made on behalf of its everyday citizens who depend on the retirement system. One of my former students used to be the head of the Florida retirement system for President, for Governor Bush. I learned a lot about it then and how solvent it was. Because when I got ready to retire, I wanted to know how solid the Florida retirement system financially, how solid it was. And it was darn solid. So now DeSantis has said during a press conference that he plans to eliminate the influence of ESG in the state. And here's how he's going to do it. And this guy is methodical intelligent and strategic. He is going to withdraw government support from banks that use ESG as a criterion. And he's going to therefore create protections for citizens. He has highlighted the ways he believes that these standards negatively impact the United States and its citizens. And ironically, increase the country's dependence on China. Undermines investments in our own corporations. And therefore, causes investments to be relocated in China. DeSantis is on to this. He says this is a distortion of government buying for the people. He would put into statute a resolution banning state pensions from even considering environmental, social, and governance standards. This is enormous. This is enormous. Breitbart's covering this. New York Times knows. I just referenced that article. DeSantis is dangerous because you just can't write him off with slurs like the sanctimonious. This guy is bright, strategic. He picked up on our voter investigations and magnified them and supported them and finances them now. It's amazing that the Ward Scott Files note in a bottle got all the way to the governor's desk. Now he wants to protect Florida citizens against discrimination by big financial institutions. And also protect 
the way they target disfavored groups or religious, political, or social beliefs that are antithetical to what they believe. I'll give you a prime example, public example, of this going on right now. The Reedy Taxing District with Disney. You know, Disney was unethical from the very moment it came here and bought property. It came down here with real estate agents who pretended they didn't know each other. And the land out there that they bought was really only used for raising cattle, Brahma cattle, because they were tough and could take the heat. And so they bought from the farmer five acres here, 20 acres there, whatever. And acted as if they didn't know each other. Reedy Creek, right? Act as if they didn't know each other. Because if the seller had realized what was coming, Disney, if somebody came and knocked on my door and said, I want to buy your farm, I'm from Disney. Oh, really? If somebody comes and knocks on my door and says, it's grandma and grandpa, you know what human beings do? I mean, you know the way the game is played. You get in the way of progress. That's how you make money on real estate in Florida. Get in the way of progress. Well, there was no progress there to the visible discerning eye. So there was nothing for the seller to think he was getting in the way of. Turns out, not only did Disney basically not disclose the truth, the full truth, to all those sellers, they also went to the government and said, we need a special taxing district because we're going to bring so much return from our presence to the state of Florida. And so we need to be unencumbered by the taxes anybody else would have to pay. Uh-uh, not when you start becoming a participant in this environmental and social justice movement that takes advantage of people's trust. So he has proposed prohibiting financial institutions from using social credit scores in banking and lending decisions that ban the housing of state or local funds and institutions that promote ESG and ensure that ESG is not used in investment decisions or issuing bonds at the state and local level. And he's going to direct the Attorney General and the Commissioner of Financial Regulation to enforce these provisions to quote the fullest extent of the law. And he and DeSantis says, as usual, Florida is leading the charge against this. Okay. You see why even the New York Times, 
gingerly and carefully has anything negative to say about it. DeSantis knows that the goal of ESG, and we're talking about Gore and all that crew has made so much money off the green hysteria. He knows that the goal of corporate activism, and he sees Disney as an example of corporate activism. That is, add up, as we say in Georgia, with environmental, social, and governance investing, and that it bypasses democracy and transforms capitalism into an ideological agenda, which is exactly, I think, when I read that, this is out of Breitbart. No, it's out of Daily Caller. When I read this, I, I, I suddenly understood exactly what the fundamental issue is in saving America. Do not, under any circumstances, allow capitalism to be corrupted into serving an ideological agenda. That really sort of summed it up for me because we see how that puts people on one side of the issue or the other. Think about it. It silences a political debate. It weakens investment strategies. It discriminates against individuals' beliefs. Man, I tell you, when I got to studying that, I said, wow, wow, wow. DeSantis is also going after the entire legacy media, which is full of disinformation. He is going after the global disinformation index called the GDI. This is a Microsoft-driven movement. And it is democratizing, if you can, speech on the Internet. And that's another one that he's going on Record is after, and we'll cover that as he pursues it. I'll check my time now because I got an interesting story. I think maybe uh, production, let's put the picture up. Okay, sir. I've got a few minutes left. See this picture here, my friends? 
I'm going to wait till it pops up a little bit. See the picture there? That picture, the lady, see the keys on the ground there? Is an off-duty Chicago cop whom this guy was trying to mug who didn't know she was an off-duty Chicago cop when he jumped her and tried to mug her. Now, here's the story on this picture. She warned this guy to get back or she kill him. He takes the warning by going after her gun. And you see him there trying to grab her gun. This is Chicago. You're just watching this. A female Chicago cop who this robber thought he could mug. She pulls her gun. Says, get back or I'll kill you. What he does is go for the gun. There had been a fight going on too. So this thief was already trying to rob some other people when she came along and she tried to stop that. And then he goes and tries to rob her. They start wrestling. You don't see this, but she falls to the ground. And the gun goes off. And two shots. The guy doesn't really back off except to say, you got me. And then he comes and returns. And she says to him, I told you, you dumb. And that's blanked out in the article here. I'll kill you. And she fires the third shot. Isn't this something? Isn't this something? The robber was taken to the hospital. He did live for two days. The officer was placed on 30-day administrative duty. The officer was taken off the patrol, which she wasn't on here. She was simply a citizen walking down the road, down the sidewalk. She was placed on 30-day administrative duty, which means she's behind a desk. The evidence of the investigation shows clearly that this robber tried to grab this off-duty officer's weapon and that he was an imminent threat to her and that he wrestled her and threw her down on the ground when the gun goes off a couple of times, obviously, as he's holding it. And then he comes back after her and he has to shoot her a third time. She suffers a cut above her right eye, which you can't see here. 
She makes a call to 9-11, and she's upset. She says, this guy just tried to rob me. And he also tried to steal my gun. And here's the kicker. Here's a part that I'm sure you'll enjoy. She's not charged in the shooting. But the robber's family, are you ready for this? The robber's family is suing the city and the officer for $10 million. So you want to be a cop. God bless you. Even in off-duty. Taking care of your own life. When somebody tries to grab the gun. Comes back after he shot twice and tries to grab it again. You can be sued. Have a great weekend. Warthog Command Center out.